Hello and welcome to Bonnets at Dawn. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, Team Austin. And I'm your host, Lauren Burke, Team Bronte. What was that? That was an in- the introduction. Oh, not going to tell people what the podcast is about. Well, I told you I was going to stop doing that. Oh, okay. I was, gonna think I, quite, I was listening to some of the old episodes and I quite like the ones where it's just... We just Straight jump in. right in. This is the only podcast that pits Jane Austen against all three Bronte sisters. Yes. But today, we are going on a trip to Chotten House. Yeah. So, it's an Austen episode. Lauren, what's, uh, what's on the schedule this week? Well, today we are going on a trip to Chotten House. So we all know that Chotten is the estate owned by Jane Austen's brother, Edward Austen Knight. And it's just uh, a stone's throw from the good old uh, Jane Austen House Museum. You would you would have to really throw, yeah, you'd have to have have a good to arm. throw the stone quite yeah. far. But it's a short walk. Yeah, like yeah. five minutes. Yeah, definitely like a throw, not a toss. Yes. Okay, yeah. So we were there in December. Yeah. Oh, magical while ago while Mm. ago um you know you guys can visit this historic home as well it's got beautiful gardens we didn't see the gardens because we were there in december and we were actually there technically on a day it was closed yes so you know we didn't very very important business very important business yeah we didn't really get the old walk around or get to experience it the way other people do walk around inside so, so it's did, like yeah. a bit, it's like there was some benefits and then you know we got yeah. like a private tour of the building but mm-hmm. didn't see the grounds and as opposed to seeing the grounds and then being in the house when it's busy yeah this is true yeah we also got tea and a biscuit yeah i got yeah tea and a biscuit yeah that was nice oh i'm desperate for a cup of tea now that you've said that <gasps> we can have one i'm gonna have one okay good all right first we've got to like set up this uh this interview though <laughs> so <laughs> So we were able to interview the librarian at Chotten House. Now, his name is Dr. Darren Bevan. Um, the thing that I love about Chotten House now is that they sort of, you know, they established themselves as a home for early women writers. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're kind of like distinguishing themselves from uh, Jane Austen House Museum, essentially. And um, yeah, it's like right up our street, isn't it? Yeah, I would really love to go and just spend like a couple of days there and just go through the collection and yeah. see what's there and do some writing of our own and sit in the gardens and yeah, drink a cup of tea. Be great, be great. Um, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon, yeah. We would love to return to Chotten House Library. Now, before we get into that interview, mm-hmm. we have important bits. <laughs> We have important business to discuss. What is it? You know, we're going to talk about the letters. Because Hannah and I keep saying in all these episodes, like, go back to the letters, like, go Mm -hmm. back to the letters. In fact, I think actually Dr. Mary Guyatt said that to us in our Jane Austen House Museum episode. Like, whenever you want to sort of be closer to Jane or like sort of like really try to figure out an issue, like go back to the letters. Yeah. So we're like, okay, that's what we should do this year. Sort of read a letter a day or, you know, a couple a week and maybe document our experience or our thoughts about the letters. Yeah. So we're going to go through and read each one, like chronological order and right. then make some notes. So I've got my notebook. Okay. I've got my copy of Deirdre Lafay's collection. I, you know, technically it arrived a little while ago. Mm-hmm. I haven't opened it yet. 
it's been six years since I read them because when I worked at the Jane Austen Centre, I just worked through them like a book, like read through them in chronological order while working in the exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am really excited to kind of dig in. And then when you said, what's your favourite one? The one that I always think about now is one that I kind of stumbled across while researching the Anna, uh, the Anne Elliot episode. So she wrote it to her niece, Fanny, her favourite niece. It's dated from November 30th, 1814. She was writing Emma at the time. She actually won't start writing Persuasion for another two years. But the thing that I really love about this letter is you kind of you get like the germ of Lady Russell in there. Uh, there's loads of romantic advice to her niece. And um, she obviously has these concerns that the advice that she's taken is going to, the advice she's given is going to be taken kind of too literally mm-hmm. or that her niece is going to you know make a decision that she kind of goes on to regret which right. is what Miss Austen regrets is kind of playing with is right. that idea and this letter is one of the ones that they quoted and used for the dialogue okay um there's this one great paragraph so well there's this is two paragraphs that I've kind of put together to make one mega paragraph so mm-hmm. my apologies Jane Austen but I've edited you oh how presumptuous. I know. It goes, your affection gives me the highest pleasure, but indeed you must not let anything depend on my opinion. Your own feelings and none but your own should determine such an important point. I am perfectly convinced that your present feelings, supposing you were to marry now, would be sufficient for his happiness. But when I think of how very, very far it is from now and take everything that may be into that may be into consideration, I dare not say determined to accept him. The risk is too great for you unless your own sentiments prompt it. So they're not getting married now. It's kind of like a we'll get married and she's going to be like tied to this man. Situation might change. No one knows what it's going to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, and we know that Jane Austen wasn't a fan of long engagements Mm -hmm. especially if you consider what happened to her sister getting engaged to Thomas Fowle and then him dying and then her sister kind of not like moving forward right romantically with anyone else and the other thing that I really like about it is that it's a great letter for an outsider to read because of the advice element and it isn't just like tied up in stuff that you can't relate to Mm -hmm. it's not like a list of names of people that history is forgotten Mm -hmm. talking about like how much a bit of meat costs, which is useful for historians, but not interesting to me. Right. Right? Um, There's another great bit, and it says, it is very true that you may never attach another man his equal altogether, but if that other man has the power of attaching you more, he will be, in your eyes, the most perfect. So it's like, yeah, this guy's great, and you might not meet another guy who's as good, but you just might think he's more hot or more interesting, and that happens. Right. So, great advice bound to one preferring another that is a punishment which you do not deserve more great advice Mm -hmm. and then the last thing that i will say i've been talking too long there is like this great little nugget of business jane right at the end and she's discussing mansfield park Mm -hmm. so obviously something that um i said like early on in the podcast was i kind of didn't think jane austen was that ambitious and she was writing for the sake of it and we've talked about that a lot recently since i've been doing more reading and there's this great bit in the letter and it says, thank you, but it is not settled yet whether I do hazard a second edition. We are to see Edgerton today when it will probably be determined. People are more ready to borrow and praise than to buy, which I cannot wonder at. But though I like praise as well as anybody, I like what Edward calls pewter too. 
She likes money. Yeah. She wants to make money off her book. She doesn't want people to just, oh, that's a nice book. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. She's She's like, pay me. Yeah. So, yeah. I do like that. People are more ready to borrow and praise than to buy. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard writers say that today. Yeah. Well, it is true. And if you look at, like, gist small businesses and you know like I follow a lot of uh, illustrators and designers on Instagram and they're always saying like the best way you can support is to buy from us and buy from Zara or like H&M like spend a little bit more money buy small and keep that thing for longer than buy five cheap things right right Right. yeah so don't worry Jane you just gotta wait like a couple hundred years couple hundred years and then you'll sell like (laughs) 200 million copies of your book yeah exactly (laughs) So um, you picked your letter first, and then I picked mine to sort of just something that came to mind uh, when I was reading your show notes. Mm-hmm. So this is a letter from Charlotte to Professor AJ. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible whenever I try to do French. I apologize. Um, so this particular letter was donated to the British Library by AJ's children in 1913. Okay. They had them for a while. Um, but they weren't quite sure whether or not to, like, keep them secret. I think that's fair. Yeah, like, I mean, it's about their own father. Mm-hmm. But really, honestly, they were, like, kind of keeping them secret to protect Charlotte. Yeah. More so. Um, her image at this point had been really shaped by Mrs. Gaskell. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, Victorian prude. And I think that... Um, that was sort of the wonder of Charlotte Bronte at the time, that she was like this Victorian prude, married late in life, and yet she wrote these really passionate, or, you know, Jane Eyre is such a passionate book. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, ooh, what, a, what, a, what an imagination this one had. But that's the thing that we, we've said in previous episodes, that for a woman to be in love, then she has to have been married. And it's like, oh, she was married to one man, which means she had one love. And yeah. it's like, that's not, that's not how it works. Right historians, men, I hope you're listening. Exactly. So yeah, that was kind of her image at the time. And AJ's children were kind of like, should we keep it secret? Should we keep Mm -hmm. it safe? But then, you know, they're like, no, let's donate these letters. Um, And uh, I'm glad they did, because I actually really love this letter. Um, Now this one, it's a long one. It's a long one. Dive in, man. Let's dive in. We've got time. So, okay. Where should we start? I'm only going to read a little bit of it. So this is um, Charlotte has been writing to AJ for a while now, probably a few months, Mm -hmm. and he has not returned any of her letters. And she is just in Howarth, like just heartsick. And she wants just one just one word from him, basically. Uh, Let's go with... uh, Forgive me then, Monsieur, if I take the step of writing you again. How can I bear my life unless I make an effort to alleviate its suffering? Okay, I actually really like this line because I think that's Charlotte to a T. Like she's constantly trying to alleviate her suffering. She knows she's in the wrong here, but she just like can't help herself. She's constantly stepping all over herself, like just in so many situations. But also like... You don't want to be you don't want to be the person that didn't try, right? You don't right. want to be the person that didn't text. You don't want right. to be the person that like if someone reaches out and you just kind of give them the cold shoulder because if mm-hmm. you do that then it's it's your fault. Right. And she's she's trying to like I'm I'm here if you know. Yeah, I'm available. 
Yeah, and this is my analysts. I used to call them therapists, <laughs> but then they told me they were analysts. My analysts once told me that I make I make myself too available, mm-hmm. and they would they would go to town on that. Well, so maybe maybe you have a little bit of connection there with Charlotte Bronte. Yeah, I just like. I think yeah. When when I yell like I hate Charlotte, I'm being facetious. Okay. All right. So she continues. I do not seek to justify myself. I submit to all kinds of reproaches. All I know is that I cannot, that I will not resign myself to the total loss of my master's friendship. I would rather undergo the greatest bodily pains than have my heart constantly lacerated by searing regrets. I know. I know. Um, If my master withdraws his friendship from me entirely, I shall be absolutely without hope. If he gives me a little friendship, a very little, I shall be content, happy. I would have a motive for living, for working. Monsieur, the poor do not need a great deal to live on. They only ask for crumbs of bread, which fall from the rich man's table. But if they refuse these crumbs, they die of hunger. No more do I need a great deal of affection from those I love. I would not know what to do with the whole and complete friendship. I am not accustomed to it. But you showed a little interest in me in the days gone by when I was your pupil in Brussels, and I cling to the preservation of this interest. I cling to it as I would cling on to life. I do not want to reread this letter. I am sending it as I have written it. Nevertheless, I am as it were dimly aware that there are some cold and rational people who would say on reading it, she is raving. My sole revenge is to wish these people a single day of torments that I have suffered for eight months. Then we should see whether they wouldn't be raving too. Yeah. She is raving. Raving. Well, she knows it. So she knows her behavior is out of line. She is raving. Um, when I read this letter, I thought, you know what? Charlotte Bronte should have read Persuasion instead of Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. They did her a wrong in they sending her, her uh, Pride and Prejudice. She would have liked Persuasion. Yeah, but how many people do you know that recommend Pride and Prejudice as their first Austin? Totally, totally. And it's like, actually, she wrote six novels and they're all different. So maybe we should, you know, recommend accordingly and not just... Yes. But you're right. You're absolutely right. Bronte, like, I think she would have loved Persuasion. Yeah. Or at least maybe if she didn't love it, I think she would have reacted better to it than Pride definitely well she would have related to it more mm-hmm. um you know here she is saying that she doesn't have great relationships and yeah. um i don't you know she's not uh, that banter that there's a little there's comedy there's a bit of fun and pride and prejudice she's not she's not here for that but oh the like the heartbreak and the longing and persuasion and people don't spend all of persuasion like going on about how pretty and how handsome and how fine Anne Elliot's eyes are like I do yeah. have issues with the descriptions of Anne her being wretchedly altered is something that like a guy who's feeling she hurt mm-hmm. says she's actually described as being like particularly pretty and beautiful by characters that like her mm-hmm. so um but I think you've got more of like there's more for Charlotte to relate to there yeah. I think someone who was very aware of her appearance and how other people were perceiving her she would see that and be like oh people think that she's small and insignificant and Mm -hmm. like not attractive like yeah cool let's talk she would have liked it but yeah great letter i think it's just a lot of charlotte's it's just like charlotte 
it's her her personality to a T. Yeah, absolutely. like she just can't help herself. She can't help like she just gets in her own way, and um, she knows she's out of line. Yeah, she knows she's raving. I love the whole. I don't want to reread this letter. Like mm-hmm. I just need to send it. Okay. Like have you? Ever I know written, that I might have to edit myself. Have you ever written a letter and then have someone like? So you write it and you put all of your feelings into it. And mm-hmm. then afterwards someone goes, well, in your letter, you said this. And you're like, truthfully, I I don't know what I wrote. Because <laughs> like, I just wrote it. I got everything out in a moment. But you don't reread it. You don't like make a photocopy and then like. I have retained that. I'm the queen of like writing a very long letter response with all of my feelings and then just like not sending it. Oh, Yeah. I mean, that's probably what Charlotte should have done, right? She should have, like, written it all down mm-hmm. and then just tossed it in the fire. Tossed it in the fire. Yeah. So now, jumping back to Chottenhouse Library, we're going to share with you our interview with Dr. Darren Bevan. Lovely day at Chottenhouse. Seriously, I can't recommend it enough. Um, I hope you guys enjoy. Well, my, I'm Dr. Darren Bevin, and I'm my official title is a librarian here at Shorten House Library. But in such a place like this, you try and get involved with all sorts of things that go on here. So mm-hmm. a lot of events and activities go on, but I'm officially the librarian. And it is um, a place that's open to anyone who wants to do re- research on early women's writing. It's good. That's of interest, interest to us. Yeah, it's right Excellent. up our alley. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you, like career path-wise, so we do have a lot of like, library and like heritage students so like how did you navigate your career where'd you get started yeah well I was before here was at Cambridge University and it was a good job but after a few years I was looking for something else and applying for jobs and uh, this one kind of came came up and Mm -hmm. uh, it just intrigued me to to be working in this historic building Um, so you had the fabric of the building the paintings the gardens a lovely place to work but then you've also got this great collection of, of books as well, you mm-hmm. know, on, on women writers. So going back to Afro Ben, um, we do have a cutoff point of 1830 because when we just want to get into the Victorian period, we can't say we have a comprehensive collection of writers like Elizabeth Gaskell of the Brontes or George Eliot. So, but saying that, we were offered a, a donation of a se- lot of secondary material uh, on and by the Brontes, so we, we didn't say no to that, obviously. So yeah. it just seemed a, a fascinating place to come, you know, and, and kind of a, a one-off job. So, um, yeah, so uh, fortunately I, I, I was accepted. But my background is, um, I've got a PhD in English, mm-hmm. but I've also um, I've got an MA in Information Library Studies, so I've kind of got <coughs> background uh, in, in both, which, is, which helped me to to get this job really perfect man for the job I'd say yeah well (laughs) hopefully I mean the thing is this job I mean no no days the same I'm fortunate to have a good team of volunteers here and that's Mm -hmm. really helped to to um, kind of try and move this place forward a bit so it's been an exciting few years I've been here exactly four years now I came in December 2013 and um, certainly a very interesting time to come with them um, well, certainly with it this year with the Austin bicentenary, but lots of happened. Lots of things have happened in the last few years, and it's all been quite an exciting time to to have been here. Yeah. Now, is there one like object in the collection that you especially love or <laughs> proud of? Well, one thing we have which does stand out is we do have um, uh, a manuscript in Jane Austen's hand. Mm-hmm. So it's the um, Sir Charles Grandison uh, manuscript. Um, we definitely know it, it's 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 written by her whether it's actually her 
um, input or whether she was transcribing for someone else is open to, to debate, but it's, uh, it's based on one of her favourite novels um, by Samuel Richardson. And um, it was never designed to be published. Um, it was just purely for like a private entertainment. So mm -hmm. various people would be given uh, various parts to play in, in this play that was uh, based on the novel. And uh, uh, we have it in our collection. So it's, um, it's a lovely treasure to have. It's been on display here. Uh, well, part of it actually was on display here this summer for mm -hmm. our uh, um, Jane Austen and Jermaine de Stahl exhibition we had. And then part was also at the Bodleian. They had an exhibition, right, the Witch Jane Austen there, exhibition. Yeah. Um, but also last year it was at the um, Faulty Shakespeare Library. They mm -hmm. had an exhibition on Shakespeare and Austen in Washington. And uh, the manuscript was, was there. So I had the, the fortune to go over there and see it in situ. But also had to um, courier it back to the UK on the day of the US election. So that was oh quite dear. <laughs> Getting out of Washington on that day. <laughs> on that I can only imagine. So. So yeah, so that that was that was that was an interesting time. But uh, but yeah, that is one of one of the, the treasures. It must be you know that we have here in the, in the collection. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's rather nice to to have. Yeah. No, I know. Like so, my one of my best friends is a head of special collections, and he calls himself an adventure librarian and whatnot. And I know there's a lot of like, you know, stuff you have to do just that are that's sort of mundane, like yeah. right. But like, what is sort of a typical day like, and what's like maybe a, a great day for you, or something that you really look forward to doing? Oh gosh, um, we'll say it's it's been a it's been a very um, challenging year, you know, with um, with all these um, marking the the bicentenary. And uh, one thing I, I did was um, um, organize and host a three day conference for um, various independent libraries that are similar to this one. Mm -hmm. So from all around the country and also from some um, around the world as well who came here so we had this um, great um, conference uh, over three days where we we could hear and from various people in, in, in similar situations similar organizations and just just kind of learning from them and mm -hmm. from that so that was um, that was great on a day-to-day -day thing we've got all sorts of little projects going on at the moment um, one thing which I will tell you which is quite interesting is um, we've got an 1818 um, Godmersham Park catalogue, a handwritten one. Um, so obviously this we're talking the, uh, the year after Jane Austen died, which lists all the books that were at Godmersham Park at that time. Mm -hmm. So we know, kind of got an idea, the sense of what books Jane Austen had access to mm -hmm. when she went to um, visit her brother Edward at Godmersham Park in Kent. And um, these books include uh, Four Dice's Sermons, mm -hmm. which yeah. people know is from... Um, Mr. Collins recommends that Bennett sisters should be reading the, the four days, and also they've got the the baronetage as well, which if oh, you oh great, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, no. so obviously the start of persuasion, <laughs> the first paragraph. So and um, and they appear in this eighteen eighteen catalogue, so we can kind of assume that these were around, and mm. you know these could possibly be the you know exact box that inspired Jane in her mm. writing, you know. So we know for one for sure there's um. A book in this collection called Self Control by Mary Brunton. That, um, well, Jane writes to her sister Cassandra to say she's at Godmission Park and she's reading Self Control. So we have that mm -hmm. book so we can make a good connection there. But what we're doing is um, we're actually um, digitizing the, um, the spine, the title page, the book plate, and any interesting provenance for these books to mm -hmm. try and create a virtual Jane Austen library. So right. to try and 
recreate some of the books that were around in her time so people can click on the spine then the book would come out and you could see more mm -hmm. you know about about these books i mean unfortunately um well the history of this house is is very it's very interesting and in, in the 20th century it um did go through a period of hardship mm -hmm. um that coincided with quite a few historic houses um uh, of, of similar builders so um the unfortunately some of the books were sold as were some of the furniture sure. and uh, the paintings etc so um but um there's still a great collection down there and actually we are starting to um, locate some of these books that were sold and bring them back right. into the fold. Yeah. It's, it's called the Lost Sheep Project we're doing, so we're trying to get the books back into back into the fold, shall we say, and um, books that have the the night book plate on them. So, uh, but yes, to try and recreate this virtual Jane Austen library is something I'm, I'm working with one of my volunteers, and it's um, it's a nice little project um, we're doing. Uh, a second one I'll just say is um, it's a woman called um, Louisa Lushington. We have a, a manuscript of her of a, of a diary, basically, mm -hmm. that she was writing in 1821-1822. She travels around Europe and talks about her experiences. She reads Byron and Anne Radcliffe and, and mm -hmm. others like that. But she also goes to visit Edward at Godmission Park oh. and stays there and also talks about her time there. Um, it's never been um, published and we've had volunteers who for the last year or two have actually been trying to transcribe this this work it's the the handwriting is quite hard to read but uh um it's actually that's been done we've had an introduction um written to it and um this morning after two years i actually sent it off really <laughs> so, so it's um it's now um we're now getting it processed and ready for publication so it's it's out of my hands now so it's uh hopefully next early next year we're going to have this um this book out you know that's um you know, for the first time of this woman who knew, you know, um, the Austin Knights at Cogmisham. And uh, yes, it's... Uh, I want to read that book. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. We'll let you know. So so what I was saying is there's a, there is quite a lot of mund, uh, mundane things to do. I mean, mm -hmm. not much mundane, but um, we have, um, you know, it is open all year round for researchers, the, the, the library. So mm -hmm. even when we close the public, so... We do get people come in and we, we you know make sure we have all the books out for them etc mm -hmm. and do all that so there's all the day to day things but there's also a lot of interesting little projects that are going on right. inside so um, so it's open to researchers but also you know between March and December next year it is open to the public so people mm -hmm. can come round they can see the house walking Jane's footsteps see the gothic gothic exhibition which we'll mm -hmm. have uh, next year to mark the bicentenary the publication of Frankenstein and Northanger Abbey and. Uh, and see the house in, in all its glory as well. So yeah. it's, it's we're trying to serve quite a, um, various audiences here. Right. So people who just want to visit the place and experience it, or people who want to research the collection. We, we cater for mm -hmm. both. And of course, we've got some beautiful gardens as well. Yeah. So this gives it, hopefully, on a nice day, people can walk around there and see. See the, well, for example, we have the walled garden, which has the um, Elizabeth Blackwell herb garden in there. And uh, uh, Elizabeth, um, sorry, not Elizabeth, um, yeah, Elizabeth Blackwell, I was going to say Gaskell then. Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth Blackwell, she wrote this her herbal garden, uh, herbal book, in um, between 1737 and 1739. It's a fascinating um, uh, text in two huge volumes, and it's got some beautiful illustrations of, of, um, of plants and their medicinal um, mm -hmm. purposes, what they can be used for. And uh, we've used that as the inspiration for our herb garden out there, so some of the planting out there is based on this book. So trying to bring... 
do a little bit to the, the books out into more of the public spaces so mm-hmm. people get more of a sense of, of what we are and what we do really that's yeah. great that's I would say yeah just from the walk that we've had through the house Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful yes. visit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Great place to do yeah. research. I mean, come on, guys. On the That's extent, right. as we were walking up, I was like, I will say this though, Lauren. It's not as great as I thought it was. And Lauren was like, Hannah, this is a nice house. I, was like, I just yes. thought it would be bigger. I'm sorry. Yes. And that's, that's actually one of the reasons I think we, that, that um, Edward didn't stay here that mm. often, that he would spend more of his time at God Mission Park. I mean, if you look at images of that or actually see it, it's still there today. It's a huge, it's a huge place, you know. Okay. So yeah. um, I actually do prefer this place. I like it. You know, I think it's a little more quirky than, than the God Mission Park. But mm-hmm. it's, a, it's large, you know, it's, it's a lovely place, God Mission, and he spent his time there. But there were instances when he was here and Jane would visit visit him here but more often than not Jane would travel to Garmisham to, to visit Edward there as well but yes mm. it's a it's a great house I think in, in comparison to the um, you know, Jane Austen's house museum it, yeah. you know, we, we can call it great on that respect oh, but it's, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it is a great house <laughs> <laughs> it's not a huge, it's a I know I, I, get, I get your point though it's, it's yeah. yes and, uh, I was like where's um, Pemberley and I was like Hannah no one said it was that big. <laughs> I mean, some some um, um some people say that it it was the inspiration for Mr Knightley's house in yeah. Domal Abbey. Yeah. Knightley Knight, there's that connection there, and yeah, yeah and uh, Domal Abbey. So there's there's that that it, it, there could be a, a link with that, but it's certainly not anything Pemberley. You know, it's nothing <laughs> of that of that scale. It's right size for me. I feel like I could manage this this level yeah. of house. Yeah. I really like this house. Yeah. I really like it. Big fan. Ten out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, it sounds like the volunteers get to do some really excellent projects because yeah. I mean that transcribing project would have yeah. been something that I would have like loved yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. What other kind of things do the volunteers well, do? Well, yes. I mean. Well, certainly at the moment, we're trying to get um, a large um, team of house stewards here. Um, next year, for the first time, we're going to be open seven days a week uh, okay. for the place um, from March right through to December. And that's not some, something we've done here before. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to think this, this house was only opened um, in um, 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, it, um, it belonged to the Knight family. And then, um, yeah, it had to go through all sorts of changes before it you know, became... Um, Chawton House Library in 2003 so mm-hmm. so what volunteers do yes a lot of house stewards so a lot of people who would um, you know be sitting in rooms and talking engaging with the public mm-hmm. or help, helping out in that respect we have other volunteers who help out on um, even, with evening talks or welcoming mm-hmm. guests and things like that and uh, um, we also have a few volunteers who um, work in the gardens as well mm-hmm. so that um, I, have, I have my team of volunteers who do um, quite a bit of work themselves so we have a um, in the room here, if I describe it, this is where we keep the Deirdre Le Fay collection of books. Mm-hmm. And these have all been catalogued by a couple of volunteers. They have got library experience, they work in public libraries and they've been going through and cataloguing all these modern books. Um, I also have volunteers to help me when we um, have researchers in, so they help you know, mm-hmm. locate books and things like that. Right. And, and, that and, uh, and, uh, and, say, and also, mm-hmm. at the moment, what they're all doing, my volunteers, quite a few of them are doing a deep clean of the of the place. So, mm-hmm. um, we keep a lot of rare books downstairs, and uh, they're busy dusting tops of books, dusting shelves, making sure they're in the right place, the right room, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, the final uh, volunteers, a bunch of them, we've got um, trained in book conservation. Mm-hmm. This is a program we've been going. It's been going on for a couple of years now. They've been trained in book conservation by a woman called Caroline Bendix, who's got over 30 years experience in the field. She's worked at the, at the British Library and uh, she's been here on a couple of occasions and offered these training sessions to volunteers. 
and they've gone away and they do minor repairs on the books. So right. it could be tears, torn pages, frayed corners, mm-hmm. loose spines, and also creating little um, specialist face boxes, so boxes that are designed particularly for each individual book to protect them yeah. mm-hmm. for the future. So yes, a lot of a lot of activity, a lot of projects going on there. But mm-hmm. uh, but yes, we're also looking forward to a, a busy busy year next year and trying yeah. to get uh, you know, volunteers here to help out to, to man the place. So yeah. That's so exciting. If someone wants it to volunteer, do they should they get in contact? <laughs> no, definitely. That's right. There is a there is a, a section on our website that they, they can they can volunteer. To, you know, and uh, they could just say what area they're interested in, and uh, mm-hmm. we'd be more than happy to, to have a, have them invite them over here for a chat and to see you know if they if they like to work yeah, here. So. Yeah. Quite <laughs> 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 I'd love to work with the rare books. Uh, be fantastic now um, we do also have a lot of people that listen to the show that are researchers or that are lecturers or you know whatnot and so and obviously this is an area of interest too so if they what kind of people or what kind of researchers are coming here for you know well that's right I mean uh, as you say this collection it's it's um, women writers from the um, 17th, 18th, early 19th century and this great collection of books by women writers and then also the night collection of books that we have here as well so we have um, the Holy Bible from 1585 in the Knight Collection, and then it goes right through um, um, Edward Austin's time, right through to the present day. So there's mm-hmm. two collections we have here, and uh, we've had um, until recently we've had a visiting fellowship program here, mm-hmm. so um, fellows have been able to stay in the accommodation here and spend a month here researching the collection. Mm-hmm. It could be a particular author, a particular um, could be looking at um, particularly women in botany, whatever. There could be all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. There could be all sorts of things. Not necessarily to do anything to do with Jane Austen, but um, um, you know her contemporaries and predecessors. Mm-hmm. You know they this great collection of work. So they come here for all sorts of projects, and uh, they perhaps coincide that with doing a talk here in the evening or mm-hmm. giving a paper to conference, or whatever. So you know it's it's been. Um, yeah, it's been really um, academically driven this place for quite mm. for about um, ten years now, um, with um, kind of issues to do with uh, finances here. We're looking at trying to broaden our uh, remit. So, I mean, mm. the the, re- the reading room has always been open to anyone who wants to do research here, and we're trying mm. to encourage you know a diverse audience of, of researchers to come here and to interrogate the collection. So, mm. and uh, do emphasise it is open all year round and. Uh, mm. All our books are on the catalogue, so they're mm. on, online, so people can search and find out exactly what we have here, you know, before before they come. Now, personally, do you have, like, what writers do you respond to? Um, whisper it, but I'm, I, my background has always been more of a Victorianist, you know, so mm-hmm. um, doing that. But what's been what's been nice here is, um, you know, engaging with all these these collections. Some, some of the writers I've been familiar with before I came here, so mm. I'm quite new. So um, we do have a reading group that... Uh, runs here every month and mm-hmm. uh, um, it's a great opportunity to discuss you know some of the other texts that we do here the, the reading group is specifically on women writers from mm-hmm. our collection so we do that as well so um, yes and also just engaging with researchers finding yeah. out more about what they're doing and you know facilitating their, their, their time here and all that so it's just been um, and also just to be kind of you know responsible in control of all these great books you know i've got, yeah. the, I've got the keys to the, the, the basement so you know i can go down there and you know got all these treasures there which uh, mm-hmm. all to all to hand so it's uh, yeah it's, it's it's a it's a lovely opportunity to to engage with all these these writers and some of the women you know they should be um they should be more prominent i mean there's yeah, some right. fantastic works down there you know that uh, and hopefully they're getting uh, a broader profile through 
um, you know, from people coming to do write articles or books about, about these women. We have um, a strong link with Southampton University and quite mm-hmm. often we have students from them coming over here and looking at some of the books. Mm-hmm. We have like, for example, the first edition of Wollstonecraft's Vindication of the Rights of Women here. Oh, wow. All that. So oh my gosh. <laughs> we do, we do. And it is impressive. We do have a lot of early, you know, I mean, between, you know, this from the 17th century right through to 1830, we do have a great, you know, collection of, of you know, books, you know. Uh, f- first editions of you know works by Bernie Edgeworth etc. A lot of you know great mm. material down there. So, and, uh, and that's what um, scholars, you know, it gets more excited when they come here. You know, they can mm. we can bring anything up to them apart from the man- manuscript. We keep that. Sure. Yeah, but, yeah. but apart from that, anything else we can bring up. They we make sure that we've got the foam and the weights, their hands are clean, all that. So we've you know make sure we they're under the right conditions. But mm. um, they can access and you know consult anything. You know, from the collection, and um, and get the books pretty much immediately. We've got a good team of volunteers who'll be happy yeah. to get books out for them. So it's uh, it's just a great place and resource, you know, for people to come. And a great, mm-hmm. it's also the no, no distractions. It's a quiet place as you look out. You're walking right. here, so yeah. people who can come here and you know, can you know have a, a space, you know, a room of their own, so to speak, mm-hmm. and they can just sit here and uh, you know and uh, yeah. You know when people die and they talk about, I saw the light. Mm-hmm. It feels a bit like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Just a little bit. Can't believe you've got a 14th century Bible. Yeah. Mind blown. 16th, 16th century. 16th century. I thought you said 1394. 1585, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably, I was probably, was I was probably you're like, oh, I've seen one of those. I've seen one of those, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it about old books, too? I mean, for you personally, like, does it, do you feel closer to the author? Do you feel... Um, I, I guess so. I mean, what has been um, uh, pleasant here in the fact in the last few years we've had these um, new display cabinets all around, situated mm-hmm. all around the building, so we can actually have some proper exhibitions that permeate throughout the house. Mm-hmm. Um, beforehand, exhibitions were um, solely in the, the the reading room. You know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll keep out rare books, and uh, but now we can have. Uh, you know, all, all around the place, and we can also bring in loans for from other institutions. Um, mm. We had a letter written um, by uh, Charlotte Bronte where she talks about reading Emma. We had mm. that on display here last year as part of our exhibition on Emma, and um, we can get loans from from various places. You know, mm. from the National Library of Scotland, uh, from Cambridge University, um, Huntingdon Library, all sorts of places. Then they right. can bring that back here, so we can bring the books out more into the public spaces, so yeah. people can see more about what we are and what we do so yes and trying to bring them out of the, the basement into the yeah into the going, going back to that Charlotte Bronte letter about Emma <laughs> off the top of your head can you yeah. recall what her thoughts were um yes I mean if you're going to summarise it I think she she feels that um Jane Austen's are writing from the head and not the heart so so I mean sounds about right um it's yes. I mean, it is. It is. It is quite critical of Jane Austen's writing, but I also think there's quite a lot of consideration there. She hasn't just, you know, she's she spent time to reflect and compare, but then she still she doesn't feel, you know, that she, she hasn't got some, a lot, of, a great deal of admiration for mm-hmm. um, Jane Austen. But uh, you know, it's it's a different generation. It's a different, you know. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Charlotte and her. Well, Charlotte's such a great letter writer. I would love just an exhibition of just what we have, just Charlotte's, even just if it's words on a wall, because (laughs) she's so great and expressive in her letters. But yeah, it is, you're right, it's a different generation, I think, was what we said on our panel, too. Like, 
It's like someone saying, like, here, here's this record that my dad used to listen to. Yeah. Love it. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's not yeah. for me. <laughs> Would you say that you're a Team Austin or Team Bronze? Um, You've I, got to pick a side. <laughs> I've got to pick a side. Okay. Well, I have to go on record and say Bronte then. Yeah. Oh my God. Whoa. Whoa that so, came straight out of the Big win for us. Yes. <laughs> what? I, I thought this was a set. So I, <laughs> I wouldn't have brought it up. Yeah. I would have kept quiet. Too bad. Too bad. <laughs> wow. Look how happy you look as well. <laughs> Crushing my hopes. <laughs> no, I, I've got appreciations for both. You know, I, I can yeah, understand, yeah. I understand the merits merits of, of both author, authors and I can appreciate them perhaps in different ways you know but uh, um, I'm, I you know I, I came here you know it, Bronte is, is when I was you know when I was young a teenager I loved Bronte then mm-hmm. um, my uh, my dissertation was about the Brontes when I did my bachelor's in English it was about them so it's it's something that's long-standing yeah. with that you know so yeah. um, I appreciate what, what topic did you go yeah what were you looking into <laughs> <laughs> it was looking at the portrayal of nature in, okay. uh, in yeah. Charlotte, Charlotte Bronte's uh, novels I was looking at that Yes. Yeah. yeah so. Well, if you're gonna go with nature, then the Brontes. Are yeah. Good, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If um, you like, Jane Austen writes yeah, about a hedgerow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There's a couple of like nice bits in yes. persuasion, but it's not. It's not yeah. really what she's doing, yeah. is it? No. So I'm from the north, so it's that's how it is. But I know. That, but yes, but saying, well. but saying that, I'm not saying. You know, I I do I do like Austen as well. You know, I just you know mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not just saying that I do. And uh, you know, it, what has been fascinating is. <clears throat> this last year, it's been here at such an important time that so, mm-hmm. you know, there's been all sorts of um, events going on here. A huge um, Austin Star Conference this summer, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just just and we've had local you know, TV crews in. There's mm-hmm. actually um, a documentary on Sky Arts this evening um, uh, with Giles Corrin called Passions. I hate Jane Austen. In, um, oh, oh. what a watch that! So, yeah, look at that if on Sky. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's, it's more of a two-way debate. He goes there, mm-hmm. being the I've seen the you know, he hates Jane Austen, but the people are going to argue in favour yeah. of Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. So they have this, this something going on. But we've had, this year, we've had a lot of local, you know, local, local TV crews been interviewed on radio, all sorts mm-hmm. of things going on here. So it's been a, it's a fascinating time, you know, and it's been I'm very privileged to be here at such a, you know. So I won't set the Austin mob on you. <laughs> Except they do know your name. I do know so my name. <laughs> ha. Yeah. Ha. So, what are the, some? Who are some of the writers that you guys actually have covered in your uh, readers group or the discussion groups? Oh yes, um, yes. Well, what we try and do is um, do a, do a variety. So it's not just fiction. So mm-hmm. we all do um, we all do do plays. We'll we'll do do poetry and uh, also do some. Um, Travel journals, diaries, oh, cool. biographies as well. So we try and try and encompass, you know, a, a wide range. Uh, the challenges we have is that um, some of these books by women are very difficult to obtain. You know, sure. um, either you know they're out of print or they're very expensive. You know, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes even people you know having to try and find them on Kindle, or whatever. You know, and try and get mm-hmm. some sort of form. So that's been that's been one of the challenges. But uh, really, we open it up. And what's nice about the group is that it's it's very. Um, it's very relaxed. It's open to anyone. Mm-hmm. Again, so we have people who have done research um, in, in the field who are doing like a master's course, or people who just uh, not just but they're locals who will come in, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they love the work. So it's just a great way of just exploring and you know in a relaxed atmosphere. Some of some yeah. of the writers that we have here. So. Great. I, do you have a travel journal recommendation? Because I really would like to read some travel <laughs> journals. Actually, try actually because we're, we're talking about Frankenstein. Try the ones of Mary Shelley. Okay. So through Europe. Yeah. I mean, she she. I mean, some of the feats she, she did and some of the, uh, where she, you know, the, the amount of miles she covered and what she saw and all that, it, 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 is, it is fascinating. We did, we covered that um, in, in one of the sessions last year and, uh, 
you know, I think um, anyone from the modern day would really struggle to keep up with her, you know, mm-hmm. and, and her that. So, yes, her, her travels. It's a good suggestion. That's that great yeah. yeah, that would be good to, to but, do on the show as well. But on, on a much larger scale, and we have an exhibition at the moment, is on uh, a woman called Mariah Graham. So, mm-hmm. a great travel writer. We have her, her portrait in the dining room. I'll show you it on the way mm-hmm. down. And um, we have um, her travels. She, she travelled to, firstly, to Rome, but to to, um, to Chile, to Brazil, all around the world. And mm-hmm. she writes um, quite sensitively about the people she met and what mm-hmm. she sees and all that. And uh, yes, it's just, a, you know, just a, this woman who, you know, just, just explores the world and writes mm-hmm. it all and draw, makes these illustrations, these drawings of, you know, what she sees. And it's a really mm-hmm. fascinating collection. So, um, yes. Yeah. Ready for my question? It's a good one. Oh, yeah, I am. Okay. You. I was going to ask my... I mean, I don't have to answer it, so yeah. <laughs> I've got two now. Okay. The building's on fire. You can save one thing. Yeah. And then after that, um, who, one female writer who you think is undervalued that we should look at in the show? Okay. Firstly, it's, it's got to be um, the manuscript, the Granderson manuscript. It's, it's got yeah. to be that, I would say. Um, one of my favourite... Um, Novels as a no, sorry, not novels, it's a film actually. That's the first, so the name of the rose in the eighties. And if you remember that with Sean Connery, oh, yeah. and that, and you know the he's at the uh, the monastery, the li- the library is burning, and he's there, and he's got all the books in his coat, you know, mm-hmm. and that he shakes out and all appears. So I can imagine myself in that situation, going yeah. ahead, <laughs> trying to trying to rescue rescue as many books as as I can. So, um, but yes, it's it's got to be the manuscript. I mean that that's. That stands out, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I will say, I mean, what's, what's been nice about this, this um, building is um, um, between um, the early 90s and 2003, a lot of work was done on this. It was, it was quite in a dilapidated condition, so mm-hmm. it's a matter of plugging the holes, making sure it's habitable. But also in the basement, we have some, you know, some strengthened walls. Um, it's a proper environment for the books. We've got mm-hmm. rolling stack, it's, it's temperature humidity controlled and it's, it's a very sealed place. So um, we're quite confident we've got a good vis- place there that even if the place is burning, that should, you know, it should, it should be it okay. Should be <laughs> well, is, you know what, Hannah? It's actually, it's never going to happen. <laughs> I would still be tempted if I go in there and just get the manuscript. <laughs> just, yeah. just, just, sure. just to make sure. Just to make sure, you know. the Titanic, you know, they said it wasn't going to sink. Yeah. You know, that's right. You know, yeah. No, Hannah, it's not like that. You can never... <laughs> and your second question, I'm sorry. I should have asked them separately. But um, if yeah. you could choose like one, oh, right. one author that you think is maybe not discussed enough, who who do you want to give that limelight to? Oh gosh, gosh, there's um, there is there is quite a few. I think I would. I mean, I think uh, Mariah Graham is a good one to go to go back to. Only mm-hmm. fact is we've been looking at her quite a lot recently because we've um our current we have had an exhibition after the um austin star one in the summer we had a small exhibition based on some of the portraits here mm-hmm. um so we haven't we've got um uh, a cabinet on may robinson the actress whose portrait is in the great hall and mm-hmm. we, we've um, got one on uh, may wortley montague and also uh, mary graham we've got her, her portrait here and all this um, exhibition, so it was a chance to delve in and to learn more about, you know, where she travelled to. And I love travel literature anyway, and that's mm. so. I think, you know, and I think it's just enlightening, you know, her views on the people she met. It's just it's quite refreshing, you know, and narratives that she has. And uh, I think yeah, it should be more prominent. You hear a lot about, um, you know, um, 
mail travellers and travelling around the right. world and I cook etc so it's just quite nice to have you know, bring these perhaps a bit more to the forefront mm-hmm. but you know I mean so many other cases there are other women there who need to be brought to, you know, yeah. to the forefront as well and um, not just um, travel you know not just in fiction also but in so, so many other different fields as well mm-hmm. and we are back so now if you want to find out more about Chotten House then I suggest you go on the internets and go to chottenhouse.org. Their Twitter is also Chottenhouse. Easy. Easy peasy. Now, if you want to find out more about Bonnets at Dawn, Hannah, where where might one go? Well, you can find us, as always, on Twitter and Instagram, at Bonnets at Dawn. You can email us, bonnetsatdawn at gmail.com. And you can join us on Facebook by searching Bonnets at Dawn, and uh, sending us a little join request. Yeah, sounds good. Smashed it this week. You did. You got through oh it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the I'm email so address proud. didn't trip you up. No. At Bonnets at Dawn. Wait, there's just one at. There's just one at. And you spell it out. A T. Yeah. No, that's the little symbol. Squarely symbol. <laughs> I ruined it. I did really well and I ruined it right at the end. Great. Just like Tim <laughs> Henman at the Wimbledon Olympics. <sighs> Wimbledon Olympics? <laughs> Also, he, I think he stopped being relevant in like 1998. I don't know. <laughs> sports. Welcome to Sports Ball with Hannah and Lauren. <laughs> you might remember our World Cup episode. Oh, yeah. It was a good episode. I love sports. Sports are good. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>